0: suddenly hit me i can't i can't do my job as i know it and not endanger people Um, i didn't want to be the one up there doing that another thing you know if you're singing you're basically sneezing on the crowd for 90 minutes you know the aerosols that come out of your mouth when you've got a full lung full of air pushing those words against that microphone you know if i were an asymptomatic carrier I'd be infecting the whole front row and maybe four or five rows back.
1: Welcome to the Lone Star Play podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Scott Armstrong. Join me and a famous guest every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. We discuss their career, life, food, Texas, and everything in between. Let's get started. What do you think about the live streaming? Have you liked? Have you enjoyed that?
0: I I really do, actually. I I never liked house concerts before because they're they're just a little too intimate. But I like these house concerts where we're all in separate houses. It's yeah, like being <laughs> Mister Rogers. You know, yeah. A little more twisted.
1: <laughs> so you said. Um you don't like house concerts normally because they're too intimate that's yeah, usually got, the opposite I, I
0: much prefer the protection of a tall bandstand and a couple of monitor speakers i can kick over at people if i need to <laughs> <laughs> don't have that in
1: the in no, the house don't concert in the
0: house and you know and it's just too close and I, I like the i like to have something else going on too i mean it, the The touring business was symbiotic with the bar business and uh, you know I, I don't want the whole focus to be just on me I, I like it if, if somebody's selling alcohol that's a good thing you know
1: oh I see okay well that's that's really business, cool you know, like, w- yeah. with a
0: house concert or or a private show you're sort of owned for the evening you know and whereas with a club show you're in partners with the club owner and the promoter you're trying to sell seats he's trying to sell liquor and it feeds off each other and i just i just prefer that way and and i don't think that's going to come back for a good while but it was fun
1: that's an interesting uh take on on that on the house concert i never heard that Uh, angle before you
0: define house like some house concerts they you know they just sell tickets and you get all the money and that's nice yeah or you get a bunch of it but then they're like private shows where you know it's usually some wealthy person and you charge them as much as you possibly can you try to (laughs) price yourself out of the market completely so you don't have to do this but then maybe they you know they got deep pockets and you need the money so you go do it and nobody listens to you all night long because they're just friends of the host you know they don't care about the music and you know it, it's okay I mean, you have to do that sometimes pay the bills sure. But, sure, but i'd much rather work with a promoter or a club owner even if they're a little bit crooked because sometimes you're better off uh, you make more money with somebody skimming a little bit than you do with an honest guy that doesn't know how to promote a show
1: boy that is an interesting sort of like angle as well.
0: Trade relations, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's that's very interesting. But it honestly, it makes it kind of makes sense, right? If you if you have somebody that doesn't really know what they're doing, they're probably not going to do yeah, very good at promoting honest, the show. Are,
0: yeah, I like honest people too, and and there you know there are promoters that are totally straight up and, and really good at what they do, and then there are those that we used to refer to as yeah he's a crook, but he's our crook. <laughs> you have to weigh. Yeah, there's no set rule. You do it. Uh, How do they
1: do? It? How do they uh, skim? Is it like off of the the sales oh, of the well, they, of the you
0: door? Might not count the door quite exactly, or you know, or, yeah. or there's little things worked into the settlement. You know, there's there's you know charges for ushers or something like that. You know, you think I get ushers at my show? You know, you, <laughs> you got to watch it. but uh, Boy, yeah, that's uh. There were, there were crooks that we used to love to deal with, and then there were <laughs> there were some that we didn't, and there were only the game, the only game in town.
1: Yeah, boy, that gosh, that is a really interesting take on on both of those things, and I like them. I, I like this angle. It's it's new.
0: But that's all businesses, is it not? Yeah, I mean,
1: that's true. That's true. Then, yeah, I ran a business here in Austin. I mean, I,
0: I think we we might do better uh, dealing with China and even though they rip us off a little bit, you know, it's, it's about cash flow and, you know, somebody with much better economic sense than I did once explained to me that, you know, there's, there's a fixed amount of capital in this world on any given day and when it quits moving around really bad things happen. Yeah. And, and there is a limit to how much graft you can take. You know, it's going to get counterproductive at times you know uh, and you know we complain about nato not paying its fair share for its own defense well but i think we're better off with a stable europe even if we're paying a little more than it says we're supposed to on the paper sure yeah
1: that's kind of like life right you take some hits and misses and sometimes it's better to absorb
0: some of the hits I mean, and I'm I'm not advocating crime. Sure. <laughs> you know, I just think, yeah, <laughs> you know, you're going to run into some of it. You want to limit it. Uh, at the end of the day, you have to think what's best for you, and beyond that, what's best for the world. Sure. It's well look, we're connected right now. There's, there's, you know, we can't pretend to be Fortress America. Yeah. It's been a long time since we could pretend that.
1: That's true. Yeah, let's, um, you know, we we actually on this podcast, uh, I know some podcasts try to avoid uh, certain subjects, but we're actually just very open to everything and anything that, you know, uh, somebody wants to talk about. And uh, I've noticed, you know, that you actually have some political history, you know, some of your albums, some of your songs, you you know, you're not afraid to get down and and say what you mean and stick up for, you know, and I, I love that. I love that about you
0: one can't you know you're only here for a certain amount of time you got to do what you can while you're here yeah um you know and, and I've, d- I've done better by ch- trying to be honest about how i feel you know i, I don't believe in this musician should stay out of, you know stick to music who came up with that i mean if, if you're going to keep <laughs> politics out of music then you can't listen to woody guthrie or Bob Dylan, or the Dixie Chicks, or Toby Keith, or Ted Nugent, you know, yeah. or Merle Haggard. Careful what you wish for. You know, everybody's That's... got an opinion, and you know, I'm not really worried about losing fans who don't like my opinion because I've been steadily losing fans since 1989. I still seem to be doing okay, <laughs> relatively.
1: You're doing great. So, what are your thoughts on? i I bring that up because I'm curious of what your thoughts are on the current landscape. You know, this is with,
0: insane. I mean, yeah, but <laughs> I mean, it's it, it's not limited to, to the states. I mean, this is sort of a this nationalistic populist thing. As it's a, it's a worldwide phenomenon. We've all gotten tribalized. Uh, see, that's a weird term, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I know what you mean by it yeah you know, the president's rubbing off on me i'm starting to invent words like
1: <laughs> the team team mentality
0: uh well yeah to the it, point where you know we a face mask is a political statement no a face mask is a tool i agree it's so a tool ridiculous. to slow the spread of the virus that we have no other tools to fight right, and yet 100%. half the world not just i mean they just had a big demonstration in berlin about you know covid restrictions i can't it's unfathomable um, or maybe it isn't yeah my, my grandfather my maternal grandfather claude ballard was a, was a health commissioner of florence county south carolina from 1946 to 1970 and my mother said she used to get a lot of flack from her friends in the summer in the 50s because he used to have to close the public swimming pools to stop the spread of polio, which was wow. the scourge of that time. And wow. they knew, they didn't really know why, but they knew if they closed the pools, it didn't spread so fast. So they closed the pools and people, some people didn't like it. They yelled, you know, but uh, you certainly did not want polio. I know no, people huh. have had it.
1: Yeah, that's horrific. Yeah, absolutely. And you yeah, don't I
0: think. COVID either. No,
1: no, not at all. Um, yeah, it is amazing that something like a mask would become political. But to be honest with you, in today's climate, that didn't surprise me in the least that certain people would, you know, get upset about that. It just well, it yet, didn't there surprise. In
0: a worldwide assault on truth. Yeah and knowledge. I mean, it's as if we're all in Khmer Rouge or Cambodia, you know, everybody that knows anything gets fired. It's all about who you're aligned with and who's in power and you got to align with whoever's in power. But if you're a professional and you know what you're doing, you're liable to get fired for ex- expressing an honest opinion.
1: Yeah, that's, that's absolutely, um, yeah, that's true. And that, and that should be the the case either. You know, should should be
0: allowed to. There's a very good book by uh, Ann Applebaum called uh, The Twilight of Democracy. It's about the rise of authoritarianism in, in the last couple of decades, and they follow a pattern. You know, somebody gets in, and it's basically it's one set of elites feeling like they're not elite enough and trying to pull down those on the next rung up. You know, so they, you know, they turn on one another and and this is we're we're seeing this here. You know, Trump doesn't think he's elite enough. The New York blue blood elite wouldn't let him in. Maybe because he's from Queens. I don't know. Uh, I don't know anything about that, but he he feels aggrieved. And so the whole middle of America that thinks, you know, thinks they've been shut out by the eggheads for the last 30 or 40 years, they feel his pain. You know, they get behind him because... Cause they see him as one of them. He's, you know,
1: they Which don't is ridiculous. See him as
0: an elite. I don't know why they don't see Brett Kavanaugh and Bill yeah. Barr or any and those other guys as elites. But the...
1: that does amaze me that Donald Trump is seen as like, he's one of us, you know, he, he's a blue collar worker. It's like, that guy's never had a job in his life. No, he is. He is <laughs> totally one of the people you've always been against your whole life. You know, I, I, you know, we, we're, we live here in Texas. So, you know, there's a lot of conservatives here. I grew up in Texas. That's just something you get accustomed to. And you can, you can swim the waters here being a liberal. I do it every day. It's easy in Austin, of course, but, you know, I grew up in Dallas where it wasn't, and Fort Worth, you know, wasn't so easy there. But, you know, the truth is, is that people, those, these same people have been against people like Donald Trump their whole lives. So all of a sudden they support someone like Donald Trump. It just, at first, no, it blew me it's, away. just It's, it's a blew me away. over.
0: you know. They, they see yeah. that as, as, as the, the the way they can throw out the people that they think have held them down. I just don't happen to believe that that the eggheads and the liberals held anybody down. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Sort of a false problem, I, right? I create I a false see, problem.
0: Yeah, I don't. I don't see that. I don't. I don't know. Maybe because it, it, it may be that. Uh, yeah, you know, my livelihood is such that that nobody's after my job except younger, skinnier, less talented white guys. <laughs> you know, so I'm not really worried about uh, you know the, this these immigrant hordes that are supposed to be destroying America. Um,
1: yeah, that's a ridiculous uh, look. My mom is. I talk about it all. I probably bring it up a lot actually on the podcast. But my mom is from Mexico City, and she immigrated here um you know it's sort of I'm married to an immigrant you know my wife's from Spain it's like to me my brother was born in Mexico you know my mom was pregnant with me but but came up here at the last literally the last week or so uh to have me in the states but you know our country was founded on immigrants this is just crazy it's like that they're all weirdos i mean it's just like what that's not my household you know i guess it you know that's not it's not new exactly immigrants right i mean it's 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 literally our whole country i mean it's literally our entire country it's
0: probably the whole world and the whole world yeah you're you're right if you look at it country by country we might be you know a, a little less rampant yeah. a lot of places. Uh, but, uh, well, but that doesn't We made a great country better. that people made, want to come to.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's that's true. Again, you know, I think we we've we we sound the alarm to the rest of the world that we're the greatest country in the world and the american dream and we're the best and we're the best. why don't you think people are going to want to come here i mean what did yeah. you think was going to happen <laughs> it's like it doesn't it doesn't make any sense so
0: well, we've kind of turned it around now 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 we can't go anywhere but here that's you're <laughs> you know, right we can't go to Canada. you're right <laughs> you're right and there will come a day when we can't go to that's, mexico
1: <laughs> yes This is so crazy. They're not even, I honestly don't think they're letting Americans in Mexico right now either. Um, Or Europe. Definitely not Europe. (laughs) Yeah. Not Europe. You can't go. My wife just went to Spain, actually. She's going to be there for a few months. She's going to take care of her family uh, during all this, you know, because Spain's having a tough time too. Well, she, she had to get special permission from the uh, embassy, to you know, show that that I'm going to for family right. Like there has to be a, a specific reason to go. She has to She had to quarantine for 15 days. When, you know, when she first got there, she's still in that quarantine because she just left. And yeah, there there has to be all these reasons. And she had to use her Spanish passport to travel there because they wouldn't let her board with the American passport. But when she comes back, she has to use her American passport. It's just a whole mess. It's it's a whole mess right now to travel, uh, you know, and they make you fill out this form to at the airport, like right there at the airline when you uh, give your luggage and everything uh, to, you know, a a bunch of stuff, a bunch of questions asking you about COVID and if you've been around people and addresses. And I mean, they, they want even information as well, too. So it's pretty crazy.
0: I don't think we can travel to New York without quarantine. Yeah, they might New be Mexico right. Maybe Mexico, too. I don't Might be right. Crazy.
1: <laughs> might be right. Texas, too, right? Texas is a hot spot. Certainly. we. It's a hot spot here, you know. I read some article today, actually, this morning, in fact, about Texas COVID tests. You may, you may have saw this article, or you're going to see it, I'm sure, that there were actually tens of thousands more positive tests that they didn't include because they were part of this anti antibody and antigen test that they do um uh, that they said it just had a a margin of error that was too high for them to include any positive so they uh claim them as probable so the truth is there's probably even way more people that have it than we think you Sorry. know and, uh... crazy
0: they're not even sure when it got in the country. Uh, yeah, that's you know, true. We, we don't know anything. Yeah. Uh,
1: it's hard to get the information, know, yeah. <laughs> you know, right now. What, what have you been doing at home? Like during all, during all this songwriting, I know you're trying to finish an album, right? Has that been sort of at the forefront live streaming, you know, that sort of thing.
0: Yeah. I've been doing some streaming and, uh, the, we did finally finish a recording, um, uh, I put, put some keyboards on it a couple of weeks ago and sent it out to Ross Hogarth in California. He's hunkered down in his home studio editing and mixing. I think he's starting to mix now. So but I don't know when it'll be out cause you know, I can't tour. Uh, certainly won't be out before 2021.
1: But, oh really? Yeah. Okay. No, I'm not going to wow. put anything
0: out in the fall cause why? Yeah. And you know, I don't really expect to get back on the road till, you know, next summer at the earliest oh wow and yeah we have to I, wonder you know austin's supposed to lose something like 90 percent of its of its music venues I and mean, that's huge it's not going to be you know we're not going to come back to the same world that, that was out there when we went inside
1: that's horrible that, that's just horrible to hear
0: yeah so i don't know i don't know how to book a tour because i don't know who and what businesses what venues are going to be open sure once we head yeah. out um,
1: yeah there's a lot of staples closing down, right? Like there's a lot of, you know, restaurants yeah, and live restaurants music venues and
0: there.
1: just closing down. It's su- it's just. But I don't. It's see it tragic.
0: Around it, I mean, we can't have gatherings.
1: Yeah, there's there's no. Well, there is a way around it, in my opinion. You know, I, I'm in the restaurant industry. I'm a chef and I own oh, right. a business here in in Austin for many years, actually, um, and. The truth is, this is my opinion and the opinion of many of my friends here in Austin who still own, you know, restaurants and food trucks and catering business, whatever. The truth is, like, they don't mind shutting down, but why the government isn't helping out more? Like, if the government's going to tell us, you know, and we all do need to shut down. We need distance. We need to curb this, you know, it's, it's horrible, this disease. But at the same time, there needs to be more help. And that's the biggest problem that I have with the government right now is the way that they're handling all of this for businesses, and it just trickles down to the people. I mean, the latest unemployment, whatever program, they haven't even made a decision on that yet. They're just leaving people, I mean, I just don't get it. It's like the worst thing that's happened to this country and these people are on vacation. Like, I just, I'm
0: blown away. Yeah, and that's the ideological thing, mostly. Uh, they're so afraid of the word socialism. Now yeah. you back up and like, look at like Denmark is not afraid of that word. And they did pretty good. You know, at first they shut everything down, but the government instantly became the major employer. Yeah. They backed up the businesses that had to keep paying their people. So, you know, their people don't have to worry about not having a job when they come out of this. Exactly. Uh, we do cause we're just not set up for it. We, you know, we, we can't transition to a full on welfare state not yep. that we can't, we won't, because it's just so ingrained, you know, everybody's got to pull themselves up by the bootstraps. Well, in a situation like this, there's no bootstrap to pull yourself up by.
1: hundred percent. And that, and that doesn't work for everybody, buy,
0: and, and, you know, and it's not, it's not as if we haven't done this sort of thing before. I mean, for Franklin Roosevelt's policies were so more you know, way to the left of anything Obama would have tried. That guy was full on socialist because he had to be. He didn't call it that because it was already a bad word, not the bad word that it is now. Now it's equated with full on hardline communism. But it, basically, it means taking care of your own.
1: Oh, yes, 100% the Latin word
0: socio, right? People. Socio. You know, yeah, it means exactly taking right. care of your people. It's a very hard sell in the United States because white America will never consider non white America to be its people. Yeah. And that's the crux of it all. Sure, and we're seeing that played out more and more every day. It's all about racism.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You make some great points. Um, yeah, I don't understand this whole socialism uh, or against that or against the idea of taking care of your own people. Like we we do it already with so many things in our country. I just don't understand how people you, make you can the difference the between
0: terminology them. the way Roosevelt did. He didn't yeah. get the term socialist pinned on him, but he did. Th- he did collective farming. I mean. If you read Johnny Cash's autobiography, he says it flat out. He's from a place called Dias, Arkansas, which he said was a New Deal socialist experiment. And I don't know if it worked, but it gave us Johnny Cash. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Then that That's worked. That's who I then. wanted to be when I grew up. Yeah. Didn't work yeah. out. But, you know, did what I could.
1: Oh, you've done great. John. I don't.
0: I don't care if you call it socialism, or what you yeah. call it you got to do what works hundred percent you got to take care of each works. other and you're not going to do it just by bailing out corporations you're going to have to take care of the people that work for the corporations you know it looks right. to me like if we can build f an f-35 and send it around the world to blow stuff up with very expensive ordnance, we could figure out how to take care of the people
1: a hundred percent if we can build bombs we can build schools Right. And Free I'm not, schools. I'm not arguing
0: and... against the military industrial complex either. Maybe we need those things for something, but sure. they're real expensive and nobody bats an eye about doing that. So I agree. How about how about we take care of the people?
1: I agree. You know, this is a point I always.
0: $600 a week. That is uh, my, my friend's on unemployment. She's a service industry worker. Oh, really? Know? And so our, our household income is now slashed and, you know, and she didn't get fired. She didn't quit her job. Yeah, She still has a job officially, but the club she works for is closed indefinitely until yeah. they can figure out a way to come back safely, which, you know, and that's the, that's the plight of the whole service industry basically Yeah. either, you know, either you have to go to work at 50% capacity, which in the States means you can't pay your bills because our servers work for tips. Yep. You know they're paid so much less than minimum wage, and if they're working for fifty percent, a fifty percent cap, you know that that's they might get half the tips they used to. Yeah, you know they might not even get that. You know, so our servers are, are treated as second class citizens in this country, I've never seen it over and over. People don't think they have to tip because why? Well, because that's what they work for. Uh, you know, in Europe, servers get a decent living wage. They get, you know, benefits. They get. They got government health care. They don't have to worry about going bankrupt for illness or injury. Yeah, you know, that's we're right. Supposed to be, say, you know, why, why don't we have that? Because they'll call it socialism, and somebody won't make as much money as they used to. Somebody that's already got plenty of money.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's um. I've, I've worked both systems i worked in spain as a waiter and and a cook and wow where'd you where'd you uh, work i worked all over spain um you know i was there for years i worked um in granada and galicia mainly
0: because uh, i was in madrid uh, the summer of 1980 and one of the things i remember uh, everything was so cheap then you know that <laughs> yeah, paella for two was two hundred and fifty pesetas, which is about two dollars and fifty cents U.S. at the time. Big giant plate of rice and seafood. Um, but one of the things, um, the family that I lived with, there was a young couple, and um, and they were members of a group called Fuerza Nueva, which you might recall, they like to put on blue suits and go down to the uh, Plaza de Toros in Madrid and stand out there and pump their fists in the air and try to yell so loud that Franco's ghost would wake up and pull the cover off his coffin and come storming out from under the big cross at the Valle de los Cajos and go back to work. They wanted oh, wow. their authoritarian figure back. They didn't want to have to think. Democracy is messy. you know, And they didn't like it that it was messy. When Franco was there, it was it was orderly, which was fine as long as he liked you. If you didn't, you were dead. But oh that, yeah, that was the Spain I remember. I haven't been there since 1980.
1: Oh wow, well it's a lot, uh, <laughs> lot different, um, lot different. Yeah, a lot yeah. different. But the Franco stuff. Uh, but see, just now, like still there.
0: Franco, the last thing Franco did, one of the last things was was to reinstall the monarchy. He wanted to, you know, the Bourbon kings to to come back and run Spain, and he so he installed Juan Carlos who is a descendant of, of the Bourbon, the French dynasty that ruled Spain for a long time. And, uh, of course, now I see in the Google News, Juan Carlos is fleeing the country for for corruption.
1: They have a lot of corruption in Spain. Um, yeah. They have for years, to be honest with you. They, they, for a long time, some of their uh, princes and stuff had, one of their princes had, um, um, escaped to Washington DC for years
0: uh, to escape <laughs> That's where to... you go when you get yeah. in trouble.
1: <laughs> Hilarious. While I was living in Spain, he did that. He he had robbed, you know, millions and millions of euros and fled to Washington DC to sort of try to escape uh, prosecution. They ended up getting him and and everything. But yeah, Spain has has dealt with some you know, major corruption just like any government. Uh but because you know, it's a smaller country. I guess it it makes a bigger impact, and it's not it's it's not going well with the people of Spain right now. I mean, again, my wife is right is is already back in Spain with her family and stuff, and we've talked about that. It's it's a nightmare, uh, you know, to, to be going through all of that and then have that right at the same time is is just horrific. Yeah. So, but I'm glad you you enjoyed Spain, and I'm glad you had a uh, good good memories. Uh, from there
0: oh yeah it was it was fine country uh,
1: yeah it's a great place oh, well you should go army back
0: go back i actually i thought about going in the army for a minute because maybe they'd send me back there but i thought nah, <laughs> nah. what are the what are the odds you know what are the uh, yeah <laughs> probably not to spain <laughs> no, no, right like some beachside time the invasion of grenada happens so. yeah, it oh it'd be a good thing i didn't
1: i think so i think music was was where you were was where you were meant to be you know
0: it would be it would have been nice to have a marketable skill but uh, you know know. they teach you how to fix trucks in the army and stuff like that
1: that's true that's true that was that was
0: see i remember that very vividly because before grenada we had actual on the ground freelance war coverage you know, like Vietnam didn't end because kids marched in the street. It, it ended because Walter Cronkite and his generation got enough of it. But part of it was those really depressing, all that footage they sent home for the, on the six o'clock news. I mean, you, you, you saw soldiers who were either tired and depressed and bored walking along the dusty road or scared out of their minds getting shot at. And, uh, it was real time. And then, you know, right before, right before the Grenada invasion, a bunch of Marines died in a truck bomb in, in Beirut. Reagan, Ronald Reagan had sent the Marines in to Beirut as a symbolic presence, as he said. And um, some snipers didn't get the memo. And so they, they lost a bunch of guys before the truck bomb even, and, at that time, reporters were allowed to walk around with cameras and just talk to anybody they wanted to. And they were talking to the Marines and the Marines were talking back. They were looking in the camera and say, why would you send us? This is not our mission. You know, They had them on low ground defending an airport against hostile forces on high ground. They weren't allowed to go out and take the high ground to suppress the fire. So they lost eight or ten guys to sniper fire because they couldn't do anything about it. And they're looking in the camera saying, you know, this is not our mission. We're offensively trained. Why did you send the Marines for this? Well, who knows? Yeah. And then, you know, a truck bomb rolled into a barracks and killed a whole bunch of them. Reagan and Weinberger thought that kind of looked bad. So for some reason, two weeks later, we invaded the island of Grenada down near Trinidad somewhere. The premise was that they were building a 12,000 foot runway. So it must be a military airport. We got to stop them. So they sent these guys in there. But, you know, one of the things that disturbed me was there was no press. There were no reporters on the island of Grenada. The only two that got on the island were captured by our forces and imprisoned on an aircraft carrier for the duration of the action. So suddenly we don't have the first amendment with regard to war and nobody really seemed to notice. And some people kicked up a fuss, but you know, America was tired of Vietnam guilt. You know, they wanted some good news and Reagan and Weinberger provided them with that. And it worked for them politically. Didn't work so well for us. I don't think, I mean, you know, next time we had a major action, you have general Schwarzkopf spoon feeding us the war the way he wants us to see it and now we have you know we have people embedded with the troops some of those guys are writing pretty good stuff but you gotta dig for it it's not put yeah. out in the mainstream yeah, yeah. so yeah that, that's what we lost and, and i could see maybe from a from a soldier's point of view you don't want to be tripping over photojournalists while you're getting shot at but those oh, journalists did 100%. serve a vital function because sure. you know as it, you know the tennyson poem about the charge of the light brigade you know he says he's from the point of view of a soldier he says ours is not to question why ours is but to do or die but as citizens of a uh, allegedly free country ours is to question why we need real information to synthesize and uh, and vote on the decisions of you know whether we're sending we need we need to know why these troops are there why are we sending putting people in harm's way is it worth it we can't yeah. figure that out if we don't have any eyes on the ground
1: that's true yeah there, there's there's hardly any transparency uh when it comes to you know the, there's none, and, and, and
0: everything's going to be spun no matter how well you do it but you got to try you got to try to get you know real information and and we've gotten where we don't care you know we'd rather watch seal team you know a very well acted and well written dramatic reenactments of the war it sells a lot better we you know we'd rather play video games you know we've got all these militaristic games going on now i'm sure they're loads of fun and a lot of people are employed you know doing these things but we're not getting real information we're not doing our jobs as citizens in part because we can't and in part because we're not fighting for it.
1: Sure. Yeah. It's up to us to, to fight for it. Um, James, I, you know, I I read a, a Rolling Stone article that you wrote and back in March about, um, you know, the tour, right. And, and sort of putting all your, your shows, you know, postponing them and, and everything with the virus. And it was actually written very early on, uh, like March, the middle of March, um, and you were saying a lot of things, honestly, that at that time was maybe, you know, people, some people weren't going there yet. You know, some people just, just weren't having that. And I'm curious, you know, what you think like now, how that article sort of what it means now, you know what I mean? How, how have things, has anything changed or any difference or would you write that article differently if you wrote it today?
0: can't remember what I wrote and I don't believe I was really very far ahead of the curve. Um, basically I, I read an article from a doctor in Italy who was telling it like it was over there, like it would, would become here in parts of this country. And suddenly hit me. I can't, I can't do my job as I know it and not endanger people. And I didn't want to be the one up there doing that. Another thing, you know, if you're singing you're basically sneezing on the crowd for 90 minutes you know the aerosols that come out of your mouth when you've got a full lung full of air pushing those words against that microphone you know if i were an asymptomatic carrier i'd be infecting the whole front row and maybe four or five rows back yeah you know i was enraged by by some of the religious community that that decided that it was okay for them to have mass gatherings, but bars were closed. It's the same thing. I don't care if it's a church or a bar, it's a bunch of people together. Sure. You know, choir practice. Remember there was a choir practice in the state of Washington that infected a whole bunch of people. And even just a regular church service, I mean, uh, the services I've been to, there's a lot of singing of hymns, people standing in the pews singing. Yeah. They're not belting it for the most part i I'm used to Presbyterians and Methodists and frozen chosen kind of people, you know, I don't <laughs> sing that loud, but, um, but it's still singing, you know, yeah. and it's still a gathering and you can't do it.
1: Yeah. Uh, no, absolutely. No, I think that's the biggest thing that's been the biggest hurdle for our country is that, Nobody got on the same page. If we had all just got on the same page and buckled down and, and take, I really think we would, this would be a lot better for us. But because there's just so many people, again, like you, you mentioned earlier, making it political when it doesn't need to be. It's a virus. It's not political. It, it doesn't care if you're Republican, Democrat, Religious, not religious. It doesn't care about anything except can it get in you and replicate and kill you? Like, that's it all wants it wants to, to do. Well,
0: see, it doesn't necessarily want to kill you, but sometimes or it, it wants
1: can. to survive. You know, it inevitably would kill you unknowingly. It doesn't matter to, to, to the virus, right? It has no feelings. It has no
0: consistency well, it, no like, either. Even people that don't die from it, some of them get messed up pretty bad. And we don't know what the long-term effects of even a mild case are. We just don't know. That's anything. true. So when That's we have to implement point. the social distancing measures, now it's turning out to be even harder than we thought. I think you know, a lot of the countries that initially did well, you know, like Japan for one thing, I mean, Japan didn't shut down, but everybody put a mask on. That's right. And they did pretty well for a long time, but now there's, there's a second wave coming around. I don't know whether it's because people are getting complacent, or the virus is changing. Who knows? I mean, it would still be a mess, even if we'd done everything perfect, but it wouldn't be nearly the mess that it is. I don't think.
1: I mean, again, if we had the government really stepping in and taking care of us, it wouldn't be an issue so much. It would be difficult, right? It would be difficult. Um, but at the same time, we'd be getting through it, and, and people wouldn't be worried about being evicted and where's the next paycheck coming from and how am I going to feed my family and. You know, it's just it's insane right now. It's insane to me that it doesn't need to be difficult, but the government is making it more difficult for us. I just find that fascinating. Like they knew that the the benefits for unemployment were going to end on the 31st since they enacted it. They literally knew from the beginning when it was going to end. And the Democrats put up a proposal months ago in May. I just I'm blown away. I'm just blown away how. The day comes and they're like, "Well, we we haven't got a deal yet. You've had months to make a deal and you have nothing." Uh, it's crazy to me.
0: Well, the Republicans would have to break character to go along with that, and they're just not going to do that, whether it's practical or not. I, I can't. I don't know what algorithm they're going by, but uh,
1: it's frustrating. You know, as during, far as the, the, you know,
0: we don't really have a government because we don't have leadership in the government. You know, I agree. I agree. Top down. Uh, you right. really need, you know, the president really has to step forward. Yeah, he can't save anything by everything by executive order, but he needs to, you know, he needs to unify the country. And this guy makes no attempt at it.
1: He, he just did an interview basically saying, like, and he keeps doing him saying, like, we're fine. Everything's fine. We're doing great. We're number one. It's like, yeah. <laughs> are you crazy? We're not doing fine. We're number one for all the wrong reasons. Like, <laughs> this is, is I, I, don't, I'm, I don't know. I'm blown away. I'm just blown away that he's completely sending that message. There's been no unification message, no we're going to get through this, you know, we can, nothing like that. It's just, everything's fine. It's not in fine. his
0: DNA. It's, it's just not what he does. Um,
1: I mean, you're right. It would have been a, actually a big surprise for him to say something like that. You're right, uh, to be honest.
0: Yeah, but we, yeah. Have, we have seen unifiers in the past, but we just don't have them now. Um,
1: well, hopefully this uh, November will usher in, uh, you know, some new change
0: and, uh, I don't know. Um, I'm not thoroughly convinced there's going to be an election.
1: Yeah, know, it's he possible.
0: Will try to get out of it.
1: You're right. He's already, you're right. He's already laying the groundwork, right? By saying yeah, the mail in voting, voting he, and the
0: first, the first wave of Republican backlash, but then that tends to the next wave is a little gentler
1: in yeah.
0: everything he does. You know, those guys get behind him eventually.
1: I think it'll all come crashing down on him just like everything else in his life. Eventually it all, the facade eventually gets exposed. Eventually it does. It just, it always, know, it always he, fails. He,
0: he may be at the a pinnacle where he, there's no next thing he can go on to to lose himself. But you know, it's very strange. I, I remember when he bought the Eastern shuttle because he wanted an airline. I don't know. The Eastern Shuttle was a really excellent service in its time. Eastern Airlines, they they had a shuttle service ran between DC and Boston and New York. Planes left every hour on the hour. And you didn't need a ticket. You just showed up. And there was no security in those days. You just walked out there and you gave them $50. Cash check. Well, yeah, there was a time when they would take checks. My father remembers that. When I got there, started using that. You had to have a credit card or, or, or cash, but you gave them the 50 bucks. And if the plane was full, you waited an hour and got on the next one and it went all day long. And it was always full because nobody had invented the fax machine or, our email yet. And so there were people in New York and DC and Boston that needed documents signed and back on their desk by the end of the day. So those planes were always full of couriers with briefcases under the seat in front of them. And you know, they'd fly DC to New York, cab into town, get a bunch of documents signed, go back out, fly back. And then somebody invented the fax machine and suddenly the planes were empty (laughs) because you could just fax your stuff anywhere in the world and get it back. So, you know, and that's when Trump bought it. And suddenly it went from $50 to, I don't know, a hundred and some, I think I flew on it once before it went belly up. Mm Hmm. But I remember once being in LaGuardia and it is coincidental because like a week before I'd been on a plane that tried to land at DFW and had to abort the landing. It was a night landing and suddenly we're flying past, even with the control tower and the captain says, well, I would have landed, but somebody left a plane parked across the runway and I didn't think it was a good idea. So that had happened. Then a couple weeks later, I'm at LaGuardia. And I'm waiting on the concourse and I hear everybody going, look, man, that guy aborted. And I look up and there's a Trump plane, big white plane with Trump and big letters going, buzzing the runway at about 200 feet having a board. And an aborted landing at LaGuardia is really, really dangerous because you got to go back up into traffic from three major airports and hope you don't hit anything. Wow. I still wonder if he didn't give that guy a bonus because you know because yeah you know it advertised for because everybody looked up you don't an aborted landing at that airport was very very rare everybody yeah. on the concourse looked out the window and there's the word trump going by so i don't know <laughs> that <laughs> you know, sounds like another i gotta wonder
1: <laughs> uh, that would it wouldn't surprise me uh, again you know he's a, he's a total character yeah you know total yeah,
0: trump era didn't last very long I think I might have been one of the few that flew on it. And
1: I remember the one, Trump one time I spent the Trump night Airlines
0: at the Trump it was the Trump Plaza Hotel in Atlantic City. I'll never do that again either cuz it's, you know, it's been
1: I stayed there like
0: decades ago.
1: I stayed there at uh, some casino he had a few times
0: actually when you I lived that, in that, Philadelphia. That purple and gold carpet that was just god awful. I mean, I didn't realize the it first was, time I was ever in a casino, so I didn't know that was normal. I just thought, man, this guy's got no taste.
1: <laughs> you know, at that time, I thought, you know, I don't know. I, I just didn't know much about Trump. And I just thought, okay, he's got this casino and he's a casino guy. That's all I thought of him. I didn't really think too much about him. I, I did know that he was going bankrupt and stuff. And I remember thinking, how are you going bankrupt with casinos? Like, like, They literally just print money. Like, how are you? I mean, it made no sense to me. I couldn't understand. Now, if you've been to Atlantic City, like you have, you know, it's not the greatest city in the world. Um, And probably the best part about it is the casinos, at least when I used to go, which was like 2006, 2007, 2008, that that time. And, you know, it was run down except for where the casinos were you know everything it reminded me of back to the future too when marty mcfly goes to see biff and the whole town's like on fire except for his big casino hotel building <laughs> that that that's what it reminded me of when i would go to atlantic city that, that's what it seemed like so yeah i have not
0: spend much time there i played up and down there around asbury park but yeah a lot of that is pretty dilapidated but, yeah, I, I, I mean, maybe they've the, changed it. I don't know the business culture of New Jersey. I don't, I don't know what's going on there.
1: Me neither. I, you know, this is the only reason I went to New Jersey was to go to Atlantic City. Yeah, it's not like, I don't know many people who were like traveling through New Jersey to see the countryside. It's like half swamps
0: anyway. Some of them, you know, yeah. I mean, I actually like that country, That the, the Pine Barrens down there in the middle. Every now and then we'd go across there trying to get from philadelphia at a seabright or whatever little yeah you know seaside gig we had to do i mean that, yeah. it's, it's funky and weird but i, I like it down there I, mean, I like asbury park and neptune oh yeah all that that country
1: yeah absolutely no it's it's a great part of america to be honest with you yeah, living up
0: gave us springsteen yeah <laughs> <I'll> <laughs> that's <take> right. <laughs> gave
1: gave us a lot uh up there for sure absolutely yeah. Well, James, um, you know, I really appreciate you taking the time today to talk to us. I wanted to, um, before we go, I want you to, if, if you want, uh, just tell people how they can connect with you on social media or online. You know, how they can get your live streams, you know, that, that sort of stuff, how they can connect with you.
0: I would just go to JamesMcMurtry.com and there's a Facebook link there. Or you can just get on Facebook and go to my page. Uh, okay. It's a business page. So it's yeah. all business. That's <laughs> no, right. Actually, it just means you can't friend me, really. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. You know, I don't really, you know, I don't need friends in that sense. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you didn't grow up with all that. So it's Maybe it's all. Know,
0: yeah, I don't know. I, I don't really, I don't understand the Facebook culture, but I have to be part of it because that's just, that's what you do sure. now.
1: That's the world. Uh, yeah, it's the world we live in. Well, great, James. Um, again, I, I really appreciate you taking the time and just being so candid and honest and open. I had a great time. Um, you know, I love these conversations. I love getting to do this podcast and just talk to cool people like yourself and have these well, open thanks. conversations. It's it's really great. So
0: there, there's a bunch more of them in Austin you can talk to. <laughs> sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, thanks. We, thanks for doing this. Thanks for having me. Oh,
1: absolutely, James. Um, and we'll, um, you know, we'll, we'll send a uh, um, the team will send out um, an email when the episode goes live and we'll send you all the links and cool everything we even make a little video clip that you can use to share or you know yeah. for yourself or whatever uh, you, you know we make totally it easy
0: lost trying to figure it out <laughs>
1: <laughs> we try to make it as easy as possible uh yeah. for but, but you know even if you just want to listen to it you know you'll have it out so but again uh james i, I again, really 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 appreciate you taking the time uh, my best to you and your family and you know stay safe uh during this time and good luck on you know the album and, and everything maybe when you start touring next year we, we get you on again and, and talk about you know the, the plans you have for that that'd
0: be great thanks
1: the lone star play podcast is produced by texas real food go to texasrealfood.com and you can search your city for stores butchers restaurants farmers markets and more we're using fresh artisanal organic sources it's a fun site that brings all natural options all together i hope you enjoyed this episode for more information go to thelonestarplay.com i'm your host patrick scott armstrong until next time